This is a Sport Australia podcast production. Hello and welcome to our coaching and officiating podcast series. My name is Cam Trudell and I'm the project lead for coaching and officiating at Sport Australia. Over this series, we will look at what it takes to modernise Australia's coaching and officiating system. Each podcast, we will be joined by a special guest who will share experiences and practical tips on their topics. I'd like to welcome Greg Chappell to be with us today. Greg provides a multifaceted view of sport, having been a player at the international level. He worked as a selector uh, for the national and Queensland teams, a member of the Australian Cricket Board, a coach. He's worked as a full-time commentator, and he was also with the Indian cricket team for two years as he filled in as the national coach. Welcome, Greg. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks, Cam. Nice to be with you. Greg, you've had a a lot of experience with regards to what coaching's looked like from the coach's point of view, but also from the player's perspective. And over the time, what have you seen uh, reflecting on all of that, that the key attributes of, of good coaching look like from your perspective? Yeah, it's a very interesting question because I obviously grew up in an era where there wasn't a great deal of uh, organised coaching. Um, we were lucky, the th- my two brothers and I were lucky that our father was um, a very keen cricketer and keen sportsman generally, and he encouraged us to play sport. Cricket was always his favourite sport, so that was the dominant sport for us. But luckily, the way he introduced us to the game was very clever. Um, you know, there was a lot of intuitive stuff there. He understood the game very well and he understood um, coaching better than I think I realised at the time. You know, the the three of us all finished up playing for Australia. We all had very different styles. And that was because Dad's early introduction was about what he wanted us to do, not how to do it. So he allowed us to develop our own style. And I think that was a very important part of it. The other thing really important point that I reflect on now I didn't realize it at the time but he encouraged us whenever we played cricket in the backyard or with our friends or down the beach or wherever it was it was always to be played seriously he wanted us to play with the hard ball from an early age but he didn't give us any pads and gloves to play with so the message behind it was always if you learn to use the bat properly you won't need pads and gloves So, you know, it was a bit of tough love, if you like, because there were a few wraps on the leg and a few wraps on the fingers. But we soon learned that if it didn't miss it with the bat, then it wasn't going to hurt us. So that was important. It also made us watch the ball. He also had a family friend or a friend of his who did some sort of organised coaching on a Sunday morning near, not far from our home. And so any of the kids in the neighbourhood or anywhere in Adelaide, for that matter, I mean, I remember kids catching the tram down from the eastern suburbs of Adelaide. We lived in, in Glenelg and, you know, come down to Glenelg and walk down to Mr Fuller's place where he had a couple of nets in his backyard. And he would throw balls to the kids and basically teach the defensive aspects of the game. But the part of it that I remember most was that when Mr Fuller was finished with us, Dad would take us into the next net and he would throw balls to us randomly, but, you know, full tosses, long hops, half volleys, and he taught us to score runs. 
You know, he encouraged us to look to be scoring runs. And I'm forever grateful that I grew up in that environment because it really did influence my my thinking and my style from a very early age. Then when we got to the elite cricket levels, there were no team coaches. Um, there were no club coaches. There were people who organised practice, you know, by the clock, you know, how long you batted and who bowled and, and who batted, but no one was giving a great deal of instruction. Most of the instruction or most of the learning came peer to peer. You know, we would talk amongst ourselves. We would watch what the other guys were doing and, you know, watch particularly what the better players were doing. And the beauty of the game being a very much an amateur game in, in those days was that training was only twice a week. You came from work because everyone had a job and, um, you know, you were keen to get there. So there was a lot of energy and a lot of enthusiasm. But also you had the odd test player, you had the... You know, a few shield players who were interspersed around your training session. So you got to look at good players up close. And that's where the learning came from. And I'm just so grateful that that was the environment in which I grew up. Those communities of practice and that peer-to-peer learning. And it's something that it's so powerful with regards to, you know, your peers understanding where your strengths and weaknesses are because they see you so often and play against you so often. And I guess that's the the piece where a coach can play a crucial role in creating those environments now, learning from all those experiences from the past. Yeah, look, I think the other important part of it was that they were also batting and bowling against the same players. So the lessons that you were getting were pertinent to that moment. It wasn't just somebody's experience from a day gone by or some somewhere else. It's much harder being a coach, you know, having sort of gone from being a player and, and got involved in in coaching. You know, the game's obviously evolved from very much a pastime. And, you know, the first half of my career was, it was a pastime. We had a job and we played cricket on weekends and, you know, a few in between, you know, if you got to Sheffield Shield level or test cricket, obviously you went further than that. But um, it was very much a pastime. Then we went through the revolution of World Series cricket and came out the other side and it was semi-professional. So it was starting to evolve into that, you know, professional game um, and more coaches, you know, came into being. Bob Simpson was the first coach that was introduced to an Australian team and that sort of came from the pressure that evolved as the game evolved into the semi-professional stage there was more um, responsibility, more pressure on the team captain when you talk about an Australian team. So the um, decision was taken that a lot of that responsibility had to be taken off the captain. So team managers, team coaches, uh, media advisors and all those sort of people started to come in into being. And, and Bob Simpson was the first one uh, as an Australian coach. And... You know, he came at a time when we had a young team and, you know, he did a lot of drilling. He did a lot of um, work ethic sort of stuff, really got the guys working a lot harder. Um, and that, you know, was was a change that started to take the emphasis away from the peer-to-peer stuff and, and put an individual in charge of the learning. And I'm not sure that that's necessarily the the ideal situation. No doubt that peer-to-peer stuff still goes on, 
but all of a sudden we had a an individual and it doesn't matter who that individual is or was all of a sudden somebody became responsible for the information the holder of the information if you like all the wisdom and and i think the the wheel got sort of turned on the side a little bit at that point there's some good aspects of that but i think there are some you know less less good aspects of it and we can go into that as we as we talk it's interesting because if we take that down to the next level and and you talk about what's happening at the top and and often community reflects what happens at the top what would good community coaching look like? What would those environments look like at the community level? How would you see that optimizing the coach's role in the community? Yeah, look, it's such an important one. And this is, it, it wasn't so much what happened at the elite level that sort of took things off kilter in my view. It was what happened at that um, community level and the club level is, you know, all of a sudden we decided we needed more coaches. And so the coach education came into being and that, that grew very quickly. And there were some good aspects of that. But the emphasis of coaching became around technique. And from a batting point of view, it became about not getting out. And from a bowling point of view, it became about not going for runs. And that's the wrong aspect in my view. And the, the beauty of the, the education that I got, it was about scoring runs and taking wickets. And you, you learned everything from that aspect. But I think what's happened over the last 40 years or so is that as we've got more coaches at that community level, I mean, we had our training sessions were twice a week and they were generally in nets because that was the only efficient way you could get, um, you know, a group of, however many people through a, a training session reasonably quickly and efficiently but they were top-up sessions a lot of what we learned particularly as, as kids and in the formative years was from our backyard cricket our cricket down in the park or at the beach which was totally run by the kids themselves we had no adults we had no coaches we had no umpires we umpired our games. We argued amongst ourselves. Um, we decided what the rules were. We, you know, we decided depending on the location in the backyard. Obviously, it was a much tighter environment, so you had automatic wicket keepers, and the trees were out, and the, the house was out, or whatever. And then down at the park, you maybe had a few more kids, so you had a few extra fielders, but you still had some trees that were part of the fielding team and and so on so you were learning in an environment that was very close to the game you were making decisions in real time so the the development of the individual wasn't just about the technical aspects it was about the mental aspects and the decision making and what we know from history is that the best players are the best decision makers they're the ones that are picking up most information and using it more efficiently and effectively than, than the rest. It's not technically driven. I mean, if you want an, a good current example, you wouldn't necessarily coach someone to bat like Steve Smith from a technical point of view, but he knows how to make runs. You know, he, he's learned to, to bat in an environment that was about run scoring. 
And so what I believe we need to be doing at the community level is teaching people the whole game. So creating environments that match the games. You know, cricket, possibly golf is the other sport that train in one environment and play in another. You know, we don't play in nets. We play in a, a field that's got spaces and the art of batting and the best batsmen have been the ones who've been able to hit the ball where the fielders aren't. And so if you're not learning in an environment that is teaching that, then you're only learning part of the game. And I think that the problem that I have seen, particularly once I got into the coaching realm, was that, you know, nets can be good, but you've got to understand how to use nets. But, you know, it, it, it's not just a matter of a bowling and never ending over or batting, you know, just batting for volume. The worst word I hear in cricket these days is where do you get the volume? It's not about volume. It's about the quality of the training and the quality of the learning environment. The coach's role, in my view, is to create a learning environment, not be didactic, not be the owner of all the wisdom, but be able to create the environment that imbues the education. Incredibly insightful because context is key. Taking that to, a, to another level, what are some of the key aspects that an official and umpire can provide to assist uh, at any level of the game? Yeah, it's a really good question because the good umpires stand out. Generally, they're good human beings. They, they're people that have got a little bit of an understanding that not everyone's perfect, uh, perhaps no one's perfect, um, and that people are going to make mistakes. Cricket is an emotional game or sport is an emotional activity and that sometimes emotions run over and uh, people say things and and maybe do things or threaten things that may be not appropriate. Um, the best umpires have been the ones that have handled the whole environment the best. They generally were good decision makers, but some of the worst umpires were the ones who were so fixated on getting the decisions right that they, the environment got out of hand. Whereas the, the better umpires sometimes made mistakes Umpires will always, you know, are going to make mistakes. You were prepared as a player to accept a mistake from an umpire that you knew who was a good bloke and ran the, you know, ran the game well, understood that, you know, there was going to be some emotion running over from time to time. You know, Mel Johnson was one who stood out in my time from an Australian point of view. Mel hadn't played first-class cricket, but he'd played premier-grade cricket he understood the game. He was a school teacher, so he understood young men, young people. And so he he could read the situation well. You know, Dickie Bird um, in England was another, another good umpire um, for the same reason. I mean, Dickie Bird had no right to be a good umpire. He was the most nervous, anxious individual that I ever met. But somehow he got his decisions right generally but he also allowed the game to ebb and flow. But when something looked like it was going to get out of hand, he would step in. And the good umpires did that. They would, they would just say to the captain, mate, watch out. This situation is starting to get out of hand. You better handle it. They never let it go too far. And they, there was a little bit of give and take. You, you had a relationship with those umpires. They weren't the only two. There were other good ones around. 
but you actually had a relationship with the umpire as a player and as a captain. And it was really important. You didn't have to be the best of mates with the umpires. Um, there had to be a bit of distance. But a good relationship between the captain and the umpire made a really big difference because all the umpire had to do was say, Greg, this is a bit of an issue. You better sort it out. And you knew that he meant it. And you knew that if you wanted the relationship to continue, you had to handle it. And so most things were handled on the field. I think what's happened since we've got match referees and third umpires, fourth umpires, you know, DRS and all of that, the responsibility has been taken off the field. And I think that's made a huge difference. And you're not getting, I don't see the same relationships um, that existed before you took the responsibility off the field. There's a lot to, to sort of unpack there because, I mean, those relationships become so important. The environments that they create with the coaches, the officials and the players all communicating well tend to be the, the, the best environments to compete in anyway. Well, communication, you mentioned the word communication. That's, that's key in any environment. You know, if you've got a standoff, where you've got someone who's saying, look, that's not my responsibility, or no, I've got to focus on this, I can't afford to you know, distract myself by all that sort of stuff, then the environment's going to go downhill. Fantastic, Greg. Thanks very, very much. We really appreciate it. There's a lot for us to think about and a lot for us to take away, and I'm certain that a lot of community coaches will learn a lot from that. Thank you very, very much for your time today. My pleasure, Cam. Nice to talk to you. Thank you for joining me today. If you'd like to find out more about coaching officiating or have any feedback or questions, please email us at workforce at sportoz.gov.au. My name is Cam Trudell and I look forward to you joining me for the next podcast in the Coaching and Officiating series.